This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new houseplants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. Uh, so uh, thanks for doing this again. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yes, I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited about it. The last time uh, we did this, the the camera, oh no, the cameras worked, but the audio did not. So the audio is working now. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so we, what have you been up to? How was your Christmas? It was good. It was very chill. It was quiet, a lot different than normal, um, but good overall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do anything fun? Not stay really. home just stayed home <laughs> i stayed home <laughs> hung out with my cat i went to a movie i saw encanto oh. um and the new oh, disney oh. Pixar. is that how you say it i, I call it enchanto <laughs> <laughs> it shows how white i am <laughs> i just went for it i'm not sure if that's how you say it or not but i even threw the encanto on there that's hilarious so i hope that's right but so it's what, good it was good yeah. my daughter watched it a few oh. weeks back she went to a birthday party and uh-huh. she was like it was really good uh-huh. and ever since then she's like you need to watch that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's got some great like just underlining truth messages oh cool as those kids movies usually do yeah uh, that's one thing that um like movies when we were kids like mm-hmm. like the lion king and like mm-hmm. um they they have like this really defined like storyline yeah. like you know this is you should always do good and like mm-hmm. i don't know there's really good quotes that come from those movies mm-hmm. whereas like a lot of movies nowadays don't really have that mm-hmm. i noticed they have a lot of different like there's a lot of subtext if you will like there's the main storyline and then there's all these other things but it, i think like what you just said there the older stories are more black and white like do this, not that, do good. And the newer ones are more complex, more similar to like, I think real life and what kids and adults, everybody faces. Like there's a lot of gray <laughs> in life. So yeah, I like the less, less straightforward, if you will. What is yeah. your favorite Disney movie? Oh, that's a good question. Now Disney, so I'm not so good at knowing what, I like Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, like all those animated ones. Yeah. Is that the category yeah. we're talking about? Okay. I would say... Yeah, I guess. I guess. Or what are you talking about? I would say Disney. Like, for me, when somebody asks me what my favorite Disney movie is, I go back to, like, when I was growing up. Oh. Like, Lion King or, like, Bug's Life. Well, this is funny. Is that, is that Disney or is that Pixar? You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, to answer your question, that's actually a funny question because I watched a lot of those movies later in life because I wasn't allowed to watch them growing up. So I kind of have a gap. I saw The Lion King, David, when I was 22. Wow. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I cried a lot about it. Don't worry. (laughs) I have a t-shirt now that says Lion King and everything, so I caught up. So what is your favorite Disney movie now? I really like Tangled. Not sure if that's Disney or not. I like Tangled. I like... God, I'm trying to remember them all. Tangled has really stood out to me, though. I like that one a lot. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I seen that in theaters a while ago. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, so <sighs> branching off of that, I guess. <laughs> well, well, we can tie it in. Tangled really reminds me of my life in a way. Like, um, so it's like the girl was born. She was born. She was kept really sheltered. 
her mom tried to like save her from the world and keep her really secluded and she ends up escaping and it's kind of like rapunzel like because she has the really long hair and everything she ends up escaping and like of course falls in love with the prince and like lives adventure but is also tormented because she's like oh my god i'm displeasing my mom kind of thing so i i can relate a lot to it (laughs) so it ties into what we might be talking about today Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm trying to remember what we talked about exactly from the last conversation, but I do know that you have a pretty crazy story as far as um, being sheltered from the world mm-hmm. and uh, be, growing up in an extremely uh, mm-hmm. Christian and, uh, I guess, cult-type yeah. uh, uh, household. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that let's a little bit. It. Let's Let's, let's kind of go back. Who is Juliana Blaine? Yeah. Um, I will tell you. <laughs> All right, so tell uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about your uh, childhood and what that was like growing up. Yeah, so growing up, um, there there's good and bad to it, just like everybody. But um, some things that stand out to me is I had a huge family. So I have six brothers and sisters, three brothers, three sisters. I grew up with um, my oldest half-brother lives in Texas, so I didn't grow up with him. Um, but details, schmeetails. I have a big family, um, and w- I was homeschooled, so it was just very isolated. I wasn't um, growing up. I wasn't allowed to go to like any like social functions. I wasn't allowed to really, unless it was like directly involved with the church. And our church we went to was like, oh boy, it was very uh, fundamentalist. It was Christian. It was like very evangelical. I think of the Duggars. I think of Bill Gothard. I think of Westboro Baptist Church. It kind of falls along those lines of like um, very black and white rules. Like um, they believe that, you know, homosexuality was a sin and an abomination. And they believe that like women can't wear pants and women couldn't speak in church. There's a lot of gender roles that I'm really deconstructing now and like seeing how it's played out in my life. And I'm like, oh boy, (laughs) this is troubling. But um, so there were really strong gender roles. Men definitely had the upper hand and like the Bible kind of taught a very patriarchal type of way of living where like women's role was like you grow up, become a wife, a mother, and the father, the guy basically makes the decisions for the household i remember being a kid and like talking to my cousin once like because i really look forward to when we would meet up with like my extended family like at a family reunion because we really i didn't get to do that much so i was like yay family reunion (laughs) and so i'm like this little kid i'm like probably maybe between eight and eleven somewhere in there and i remember telling my cousin we were talking about like you know, marriage or like marriage at eight years old, not marriage, but like our dreams of like, you know, getting older, our own families. And I remember saying, I think that, you know, I'll let my husband tell me what to do. Like, I think like he'll probably, cause we were talking about like power differentiation. These are the ki- things kids talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I think like he would ha- have like 90% and I would have like 10% of the power. And I remember like saying that and like my older older self now looking back is just like dear god but and that's something yeah. you just kind of thought about as normal right was, like yeah like you didn't question it that was just yeah. the way it had to be and anything actually outside of that would be not normal so to your point yes that was very normal and to question it would be like certain death <laughs> <laughs> not really certain death but just very um it, there was not progressive thinking like that you didn't question because once you started questioning that like it made you start questioning deeper questions that, you know, your faith is rooted in and your foundation. And, um, that can go south real fast. (laughs) If like your life is built on, 
you know, kind of that fixed mindset, not ever asking questions. So, yes. <laughs> so you grew up. You grew up in that your entire life. At what point did you get away from that? Mm-hmm. Um, did you get away from that? And what was that like? Yeah. So it, it's all kind of in transitions. Um, so when I was 15. Um, things had just really gotten to a point where it was not good in the household. We lived in Leslie, Michigan, and it was very rural, and um, we we lived, like, on a farmhouse with, like, 226 acres, and I remember I did love that part of it. 226 acres of, like, land. 226? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy cow. So we we rented, and um, we had, like, maybe a two-acre plot, but, like, we could run through the fields wow. or like the, we had to be careful in like November cause hunting season, <laughs> we'd like wear orange and not go in the woods during that time because pew pew. But, <laughs> but I remember like, uh, there was just some woods like close to the house and I would always go like go climb in the tree and just sit in the tree. And like, that was kind of one of my safe spaces when I needed to just be away. I remember kind of escaping out to nature a lot and I still like to do that. It's, it was really, I think a good outlet for me. Um, but when I was 15, we lived in that place in Leslie, Michigan with all of the land and all the trees. And uh, it got to a point where it was just getting so bad. My dad was really just, um, us kids were getting older and uh, us girls were becoming more attractive. And hey, and um, the... way to be conceited. <laughs> all day. Um, but the, but to that point, like my dad was starting to be like, Oh my God, like there's men paying attention to my daughters. And he did not know how to deal because, or actually he, he thought he did like somebody showed interest in one of my older sisters and he proceeded to like have them do a Bible study with him for him to approve, to see if they could court my sister, which was very intense. The the dude lost interest after a little while. <laughs> like it, it was just rigorous. I think his goal was to drive them away. So, you know, we're kind of like, where do we go from here? I remember thinking like, will I ever be able to like live a normal life? Will I be in this house forever? Like I couldn't see past that because it was, it was just too, it was what I was used to. Like I didn't know what anything else looked like. So when I was 15, um, it got to a breaking point. Like my dad was really trying to like pull us out of activities in church to be at home and focus more on the family, which Dear Lord, we were already quite a bit. Um, And there was a lot of emphasis on biblical studies at home. So, like, my homeschooling education, it was... I didn't even do, like, higher math growing up, which later on, like, in college, you know, was was hard for me. But I ended up, like, the focus was on the Bible, and we kind of... We had a curriculum we went by, but it was just very flexible. <laughs> what, what curriculum did you go by? We used a couple different things. Um, we used Saxon math books. I remember oh, that. I hated Saxon. Oh, dear Lord. It was <laughs> worse. And um, I could never solve the problems. And then, um, and sometimes there were answer books where I most definitely would peek sometimes and be like, let me just Absolutely. get this done. <laughs> They're right there. Um, temptation. And then we did like Bob Jones, uh, other books. I remember like distinctly, we did not learn about evolution. Um, evolution was wrong and scientists were evil, (laughs) which was just so wrong. Um, so all that to say, like, it it was just a brainwashing and like it had gotten so bad. Like we couldn't watch TV. We couldn't, I mean, we turned it on for like September 11th and my dad would like let us watch. He would pre-watch the movies to make sure we could watch them. Wow. Um, so we got to see a double feature, I guess. (laughs) I just... 
how how is it possible to be that controlling of people? You know, because like I, I work a lot mm-hmm. and I have a busy life, and I couldn't imagine having to micromanage things mm. on top of being able to take care of the household at the same time. Yeah, that's a great Se- question. Seems yeah. like a lot, a lot of responsibility. Yeah, so I think that's a you raise a great point because my dad worked from home. He was a computer programmer, oh. so he would like have his office and he would. <laughs> He, I think he was trying to make us into a little military. I'm not really sure. <laughs> like, um, when my brothers got in trouble, he would make them do push-ups sometimes. Jeez. We, we would get spanked, too, which was not, which was very traumatic. But um, gloss over that one. Did you get the belt? <laughs> not the belt. We got, like, a like a plastic hanger broken Ooh. in half. Oh, it stung. It stung. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so as far as, like, micromanaging, he would have us write task lists and schedules and then bring them to him at every hour to, like, say what we were supposed to do and what we actually did, which was just, whew, it, was, it was hard to keep track of. Like, it, it was very stressful. It was a very stressful environment to grow up in. Yeah, I could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, back to the whole spanking thing. Yeah. Um, I was telling my wife one day, it's pretty universally known that whenever you hear the bell go, oh. that, <laughs> that, that, that means, like, that's going to hurt. Oh, you're done. And I did that in front of my kids. I've never spanked them with a, a belt or anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one day I was just like, which and um, my son just like looked at me. He's like, Ugh. and I'm like, you can feel the fear. It's, it's a scary sound. <laughs> like he's never been spanked with a belt. I've been spanked with a belt. I know what that means. How does he know what yeah. that means? <laughs> it's intuitive. <laughs> Generational drama. Yeah. Tra- trauma. Yes, exactly. It's very real. It's very real. Um, but back to your original question about the transition. So all that to say, I was just trying to paint a picture of how, what my life kind of looked like. Um, so when I was 15. My mom ended up, it got to a point, my mom had found some things out about my dad that were, uh, made her feel safe to make the decision to leave. Um, so she actually, she, yeah, it's, it's interesting trying to figure out how to say this. Um, but long story short, she ended up talking to a social worker who, um, were going what and so I'm kind of dancing around this, but there was there was sexual like immorality on the part of my dad, and my mom found out about it, and proceeded to you know talk to somebody like a social worker, and you know they're mandated reporters um, for certain things. So it turned out that they said we've got to you know report this, and my mom was like, oh no, not no no no, we're not ready. So my dad he worked from home, but sometimes he would like go to Detroit or whatever to like work on a project and stay for a couple nights. So um, she's like, please just wait. Um, they helped her build a safety plan because th- my mom was actually starting to get uh, afraid for her safety, and my dad was starting to you know I think you mentioned a good point. It was very stressful, and I can imagine how that impacted him on a personal level and like even just when you're stressed your mental health goes even further um, into an unhealthy place. Well, not to mention when you're that controlling over a situation and you all of a sudden start losing control of the situation, then you're just like, you're kind of all over the place. Ah. Like, how do I, how can I control this? I need it back. I need need it back. I need that control back. Yeah. That's, that's probably it. And that's kind of why he started pulling us like, I remember I was so excited to do vacation Bible school because we were like teaching these kids in this new church we were involved in. And my dad was really not a fan of this church because we loved it so much because we actually got to see people be social i remember like 
writing it in my journal. Oh my God, I'm going to my first social event. This is so exciting. <laughs> like, um, and I think I was like 12 or something at that point. But yeah, so we started really gravitating towards that church. And my dad was like, felt like what you explained, like losing of control and trying to pull it back. My mom was like really getting, you know, fearful of, you know, things could escalate. There was a lot of fighting around mm-hmm. the house. Like, uh, I remember just a lot of like verbal back and forth from my parents just it was not a good environment a lot of emotional abuse both ways a lot of um stuff like that um but so when i was 15 you know i think i painted the picture pretty well but um (laughs) when i was 15 my mom made that phone call um and they helped her get a safety plan and she's like okay here's the plan kids we're gonna pack our stuff so I remember packing my big black double leg, my favorite clothes, zipped it up, and they were all skirts because I wouldn't, couldn't wear pants, even though I wanted to do so bad. <laughs> um, and because, um, I mean, when you wear pants, you can run way fast or your skirt's like flapping around. <laughs> That's one thing, too, I never understood. I mean, we'll get back to what you were saying, but uh, with the whole you have to wear skirts thing, mm-hmm. doesn't that... Isn't that like more inappropriate than jeans, like wearing jeans or right? whatever? You raise a good point because I've always wondered the same thing. Um, my mom really stressed, you know, like modesty and purity and my dad too. Um, but especially like when wearing a skirt, like sit this way, aim your legs this way. So nobody's like seeing up your skirt type of thing. Mm-hmm. Because some people, you know, they say wear the skirt and be modest, but then it's not modest when they're wearing the skirt. Type of thing. <laughs> right, right. So, um, so yeah, to your point, you my dad really also it when i say it got really bad when i was 15 it was he was starting to like check our clothes before we left the house and he had three new rules that were long loose and layered because he didn't want anybody like seeing that we had bodies <laughs> oh my god so i couldn't wear shirts that had like any type of like writing on the chest couldn't have any type of form-fitting outfits i had to wear baggy stuff I looked like the Amish every day. So, mm-hmm. and nothing gets the Amish, but <laughs> I had a, a friend, I'm sure you know them. Um, but same thing. Yeah. Um, and I remember, <laughs> I remember it, he went through a phase mm-hmm. like where he wanted to wear like fashionable clothing and yep. whatnot. And he had bought a guest t-shirt uh-huh. and it just said guess on <gasps> it. And his mom's like, you can't wear that. And I remember being at like church and uh-huh. I think he was wearing like maybe like a flannel and guest t-shirt underneath uh-huh. like this. And, um, she made him go turn it inside out. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yes, and, and that, that speaks to, and you witnessed it too, and I know in your life you, yeah. you've had a lot of that too. Yeah. Um, and it's cool that you understand that because a lot of people, like, I guess the picture I'm trying to paint is it was like there's the world out there and then there's us, and mm-hmm. we were taught to literally try to be separate from the world. Yeah. That was in our teachings so that the world finger quotes would see <laughs> us as different and want yeah. what we had because oh man we were we were looking good they really wanted that no, right. <laughs> just kidding but like we did there was a spiritualness to us and a depth that like because when you have certainty in your faith it really does something for a person mm-hmm. you feel like you have the answers you feel joy like if you know where you're going when you die like that type of certainty there is a lot of like joy not joy but there's just a lot of peace so when they say be different from the world, it's talking about like, you know, spiritually as well, like your demeanor, like who right. you are. You can sense there's something different in your energy. So well, kind then, of, yeah. Well, then when goes. you get like a, a group of people together, like in, in a church mm-hmm. and they're all singing hymns together yeah. and mm-hmm. they all believe the same thing, mm-hmm. it's like a sense of community. So Big like time. you feel good, like mm-hmm. you're, you know, just 
you feel a part of something bigger than you. Yeah, which is like a human need. It's very right. important. So that, that's so it's, a big draw. It's kind of easy for somebody to get enticed into that. Yes, you get swooped right in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, all that to say, it was getting worse and worse. I was 15. We packed our bags. Um, we kept them hidden. I remember putting mine under like my pink and white striped comforter next to my bed. I was like, this is safe here. Okay. Um, my dad like left. He was gone or left. And then we made our great escape. Like somebody from the church ended up helping us. Um, we went to a homeless shelter where a women's, uh, where a social worker helped my mom get set up with like women's services with food stamps. They put us up in a hotel for six days. That was the funnest six days of my life. <laughs> I watched TV nonstop. I watched Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Smith. I oh, watched like gosh. all these these <laughs> movies that I'd never seen before. I wore lipstick for the first time. Like I tried. You were sinning so I, bad. <laughs> I put on makeup and it was, I wasn't practiced at putting on makeup, so it was, I can imagine, <laughs> it was like, pretty funny. Like a clown? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, thank God I had my mom and sisters to be like, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> but I remember too, like I didn't, kind of back to your first question about like, what's your favorite Disney movie? I didn't understand, there was a big gap between me and my, the normal world culture, like pop culture, mm-hmm. whatever. So I remember going, we went to Walmart and we had money to buy like clothes. And I remember I bought some like t-shirts. Like I remember getting Tinkerbell and I, oh, you know, wow. we couldn't do magic before. So I was like, Tinkerbell. <laughs> and then, um, I got, I didn't know what South Park was and I got a South Park shirt and there was something like derogatory on it, but I didn't understand it. <laughs> I just thought it was a funny shirt. And I remember I got to the checkout and the, the cashier commented on it. Um, and of course I had crippling social anxiety at the time too. So it was like. That was tough too, but talking to her, she I realized it was something else, and I ended up putting the shirt back because I was like, <laughs> oh, never mind. But it was just such a feeling of freedom, and then the. That's one thing a lot of people don't yeah. realize that when you go when you live in an environment like that, like for me, I lived in the same I've heard your same story. type of yeah. environment, and there for a period of period of time, um, I was in the public school mm-hmm. even though I was in that environment, and. I remember, like, because I like, like I couldn't watch certain movies at yeah. home, couldn't mm-hmm. listen to certain music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd go to school and people would talk about the next mm-hmm. greatest thing or mm-hmm. whatever, and I'm like, they're like, "Did you see that? Or did you hear that song?" I'm like, no, <gasps> no. no. So you feel completely left out. Yeah. And then when you jump back in, it's like, whoa. <laughs> yes, yes. And people still ref. There's still songs that are referenced, and people will say the name of the song or like hum parts of it, and I just. I have to Google it. I'm like, what, what is that? <laughs> um, but you're right. Um, I was going to say something I was forgetting. But it was like when you go to the school, oh, sometimes people will say like phrases too. Mm. And I won't completely understand the phrase, but I'll know like what where you're talking to about, apply Willis? it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like you learn little catchphrases yeah. to like feel accepted, even though you might not fully understand where it came from or what it right, is. Right, right. I remember doing that and like, I would love it when people would laugh or be able to, I was like, oh good, there's a connection. <laughs> oh. So I would like find little things to like save myself. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. It's, it's, it's bizarre, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a bizarre thing that people would want to separate themselves. I mean, because the whole idea of separating yourself is separate yourself from the world so that people like can know like a significant difference between a worldly person and yeah. somebody who is religious. Right. But you separate yourself so far to where they're like, that person's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was weird. I was very weird. Very weird. 
I've learned to embrace it. Yeah, um, you have and to accept it. Yeah, you have to. And everybody's a little weird. I mean, let's be real. Everybody's weird. Even <laughs> we normal. All try to hide even it. normal people are weird. Yeah, they're faking. They're faking. <laughs> they're weird at home. <laughs> but yeah, you you raised a good point there. Like, um, that you know you could be so different from the world, but you do seem weird. And I remember like that was a point of pride. It seemed yeah. like it was like yeah we're it wasn't the word weird that we would use, but it's like pure or moral or like separate or like godly. Those were catchphrases mm-hmm. that like really, if you said that to like, those were things we tried to practice and they resulted in us looking like a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> but, uh, but it was funny because people, I think churches like that, I remember people coming to visit the church and there were people who maybe were, didn't have that sense of belonging that you spoke to earlier and people, if you've ever visited a church, even though they're kind of wacky and very weird, like there is that air of when you first go and people like they want to convert you. So you feel very invited. You feel welcome. They come. They're like, hey, how are you? What's your life mm-hmm. like? What's going on? Like they're really interested in you and it feels so good. Yeah. And it's validating. So like there are people I remember being in church and people would visit and it was usually more usually single people, usually people who didn't have a support system people who might be on the fringes of like dealing with mental health battles, mm-hmm. um, things like that. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about it, Yeah. but yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Cause it, they would come and then they'd be like a place, like a place where I belong. People right. want, want me here. Like nobody else wants me. Like, I don't feel that in any area of my life. But mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I've, I've never thought about it like that. That's actually a really good point. Mm-hmm. A bunch of mentally ill people going to church. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> I think we're all, we all have our little battles. <laughs> yeah. It gives you a sense of community, a sense of belonging. Everybody's accepted yeah. regardless of Ex- who you are. Until. Until. Until, <laughs> until you join the church and then you have to like, so they get you in there and then you have to follow this in this type of extreme church you have to follow those standards to stay accepted. So like, I remember uh, to sing in the choir, you couldn't go to movies. You couldn't be seen in a movie theater. And I remember there was also unwritten rules. The appearance of evil. You got to sustain from it. And and evil looked in an extreme church. Evil looks a whole lot like normal things, Mm -hmm. like holding hands with their boyfriend, like Mm -hmm. sitting close to someone of the opposite sex. Um, Like where, wearing clothes that you know are attractive or you don't want to something that just hits me really wrong about that type of church and the culture i grew up in is they perpetuate rape cultural culture which i didn't i didn't learn until i started going to school and uh, college and learned about like the psychology behind it like so there'd be phrases growing up like um don't dress in a way that a man will lust after you and I was always the t- like I always had to think that the way I look right now would some bu- some guy look at me and like want to have sex with me or mm-hmm. like cause them don't be a stumbling block that was another word right and yeah. I remember like even even after I was out of this culture or like on my way out in my early twenties I remember like I went to the beach for one of the first times and I was wearing a swimsuit and I was like you know what I feel like I need to wear just like board shorts because I don't want a guy to look at me what if he's with his girlfriend and he looks at me and it's my <laughs> fault like oh, i man. sincerely thought that that i had that amount of control over other people and they teach you that in those yeah. cultures so it's that learning that you know people are responsible for their own thoughts their own intentions like everything like i'm responsible for me you're responsible for you like 
That's a that's a huge. that's a really good point. I never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because obviously I'm not a female, mm-hmm. I don't really have to think about mm-hmm. that. But that's a good idea. That's a good um, a good thought. Uh, that you know the same thing. I I was always told that like a woman shouldn't dress in a way that it would make a man provocative. Want, yeah, yeah, make a man <laughs> lost after her or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, everybody's responsible for their own thoughts and their own their own actions. Right. And yeah, that's crazy. I remember. One time, um, I might have shared it the last time we did the podcast, but Share there, it again. <laughs> nobody heard it. So, <laughs> um, there was this girl, my friend. My friend brought his girlfriend, and he was uh, in the in the youth youth group with us. And she didn't go to church, but he brought her on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. service. Mm-hmm. And she came in with a short mini skirt on mm-hmm. and she sat in the very front row because that's where us teens sat. Like we would sit in <laughs> the first two holy. rows <laughs> yeah. and he sat, she sat right next to him <laughs> and in her mini skirt mm-hmm. and the youth pastor's wife oh, went up to her no. and told her she needs to sit in the back. Oh, and so during the service oh, made her get back, oh, get up. Oh, it causes me pain. <laughs> it causes me pain. <laughs> made her get up and sit all the way in the back. And and that's interesting because we kind of talked about people who come to church and feel that love and feel that welcoming. And then mm-hmm. there's that flip side of what you yeah. just described. That's like, yeah. it's judgment. And especially if you're a woman, it's like the judgment, it's um, shame, guilt, like, and yeah. then like being singled out. And I remember like, I went to a church school also, which was part of that church I went to that was really extreme. And they would like, you had to have your skirt below your knees. I remember multiple times the youth pastor's wife coming up to me or another girl or telling us to button up our shirt or like. Did you have the rule where you change. had a, like fingertips? Finger, we it had actually, to be past fingertips? It had to be past fingertips. And I think it was two or three inches below the knee. It had to wow. be under your knees when you were sitting. Wow. So, so yeah, that, so it had to be down to your like, like bottom mid- of your feet. Yeah, exactly. That's how I felt. That's how I felt. Um, and the alternative, like for sports, is culottes. And oh jeez. Dear Lord, the culottes, <laughs> the trauma. No, um, like a prep school in like the nineties. <laughs> and now, like these these types of clothes come back into style, and I'm just like, oh, I'm breaking out in hives. Oh, <laughs> but um, the I remember like, so I'm I'm very like sports oriented, and I love athletics and. We had to wear culottes, which are just, for anybody who doesn't know, they're like super baggy, like shorts, but they're long. <laughs> they're basically, to, if you're a girl, they want, they're designed to show that you have no shape because <laughs> you don't want a man to look at you. Like you can't, if you can't see a shape of your butt, then they can't like lust at you. So anyway. Um, God forbid you rock <laughs> what God gave you. <laughs> <laughs> don't shake what your mama gave you. Don't do it. Um but all that to say, like, I remember, like, it, there were just, like, technical things. Like, when I remember running and my foot got caught in my culotte and I, like, flipped, oh my tri- tripped. But it was, like, I was probably racing my brother or something, too. So it was extra. <laughs> made me extra mad because I was probably winning. Um, but, yeah, there's just um, a lot to there, that. There was never, like, rules like that for men. Like, mm, men let's can't. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. <laughs> there's, like, I, like, I remember... Um, our church did like Monday night basketball mm-hmm. for uh like like men mm-hmm. or like teen like older teenage mm-hmm. men and they would dress in like tank tops and I think basketball my brothers shorts. actually went to that night. Probably. But they, they could only wear pants because like in our cult in our like subculture of this culture, like the <laughs> the men couldn't wear shorts because that was a, a strange rule in the church too. Really? But, but go on. It sounds like yours didn't have that rule. No, no, not really. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I remember going to church on like Wednesday nights mm-hmm. and wearing shorts, or 
um, like a t-shirt. Lucky dog. Yeah, I know. I could, <laughs> I could show everything I had. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. It's so hypocritical, right? Hmm. Hmm. Like as far as the men and the women? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more. I don't know. I find it hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess when I think of that, um, it ju- it doesn't even seem hypocritical. It just seems controlling for me. Yeah. Like, because they aren't... Well, you are the one being controlled. Right. So it's like, you as a woman can't do this, and I as a man can do anything I want because, you know, that's... It's that the power role. dynamic. Right. So they weren't even, like, pretending to like you know be modest too it was like they were just didn't have to worry about that so that's where i would say it's like for me less hypocritical more like controlling right maybe i'm missing the definition of hypocritical (laughs) 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 but but moving on i see your point yeah it's like the standard's different yeah the standard's definitely different Mm -hmm. um i mean i guess there was things that you couldn't necessarily I guess it was frowned upon to wear. Mm-hmm. Like they probably wanted you to dress nicer. Um, mm-hmm. But they weren't going to look at you like you're a whore for wearing a t-shirt right, and, right. and short shorts. Or or a V, like even just a V-neck. Yeah. Couldn't wear a V-neck. And it, and like the, like the thought behind that is it's pointing downward, you know, like you can see, even if it was like to your collarbone, like I couldn't wear a polo shirt with like, my dad made me button it all the way to the top and i was like dear god this is just i'm choking actually in like a weird way it's almost kind of like slut shaming right it actually is absolutely yeah Yeah. because you're like you're you're teaching people like if you wear this then you're a slut like people are going to look at you in a sexual way and i'd take it a step further and almost it's it's body shame too like i remember as a woman and like growing up the sexuality side of things was so confusing to me to me like it, it not like outrightly taught that but mm-hmm. like it can know, be a tool for you right and like um, <laughs> tool for, <it's> <laughs> um but like uh it, and it was just very confusing to go it makes healthy relationships and healthy sexual relationships very hard mm-hmm. like after you've been through that because you're like mm-hmm. what is right and what is wrong and when you grow up in that type of system like even if it is so say you just wear what you want or like even you know entering like so holding your boyfriend's hand like there was a time i'll just use a simple example when i started wearing tank tops i felt like on my body felt shame like i felt like this i would have like a shiver feeling and i'd be like <laughs> oh my god my shoulders are showing like and it, you're laughing but it was like it was very oh. real like i was like i need to cover them and it, it was like a reaction to how i was raised and i really had to work through that nervous system response i was having mm-hmm. and like when you think about like that, that simple thing of my shoulders not being covered causing me that response or that reaction, like think about a relationship and like, you know, like kissing or sex or things like mm-hmm. that, like and the like amount of shame you have to work through because you're taught all of that's wrong. Right. So it's like to become health to build a healthy relationship in the future, you really have to, I had to do a lot of therapy. <laughs> yeah. To get through yeah. like what's what's real and right for me and what is like cuz I had like I thought what was real and right for me was what I'd been taught, but that was not. So it was like my body thought that was true and it wasn't. One thing I noticed um cuz obviously I I grew up in that type yeah. same type of environment mm-hmm. is that 
growing up in that environment and then um, going out into the world um, on your own mm. as like a young adult yeah. is so confusing. Yes. Um, for me, it was like extremely confusing because, mm-hmm. you know, I knew that the way I had grown up wasn't necessarily the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there is a right way. <laughs> there isn't. <laughs> um, but I knew that the way like people had told you, like, um, like for instance, like the church, they make certain rules for people. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have sex before marriage right. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or um, if you're involved in sin, you can't be a part of the church. Right. Um, like I was in the or- church orchestra, church choir and all yeah. that. And um, they, my, my adopted mom had told the pastor that I was having sex when I wasn't, which violates so many boundaries and is a lie. I mean, just right. like what? it was a lie at the Even time. You were, at the time. <laughs> yeah. But but the thing is, you know, like you grow up knowing all these things that you know these are rules that the church set, and if I do that, I'm like I'm going to hell pretty right, much. Right. And then you go out into the world on your own, and you're trying to figure out like, is this right? Is this wrong? Like yeah. everybody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, your moral compass but, is like screwed. You're like, yeah. wait, I thought this was right. It's it isn't. What? It, what? <laughs> you're just like, it's like if there's a picture of a compass, the compass is like twirling around. <laughs> like where is true north? I don't know. <laughs> that's a that's a really good analogy. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, it's so confusing. Like I remember. Um, after I moved out, like I got involved like with the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was like smoking weed and I'm like, man, I'm going to hell. Like, like I'm, I'm a bad person. <laughs> it, and that I think is, that's that shame element. Like that, that would be your choice at that point to smoke weed, to not, you know, to do whatever. I mean, and there's always consequences, good or bad for whatever we do, but to feel that you are bad because you're doing something right. that, like you're like, that is a, that's a real painful thing to feel yeah because you're not bad like even even if you were doing something quote-unquote bad it would be the action that was bad but Mm -hmm. we i think in the culture we were raised it reflects on you like you are bad right instead of your behavior is bad or like your intentions right yeah or something's a little off about this no it it reflects on you as like a whole right you are bad you are going to hell I mean, it even goes down to like swearing, right? Yeah, like if you swear, you say a bad word, <laughs> like you're, you just sinned, yep. you know, or if you even thought like, let's say you like stubbed mm-hmm. your toe and you're like, mm, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I relate so much. <laughs> then, you know, you're going to hell because right. not really, but you know, yeah, right. you sinned because you, you had that thought. Right. And one thing I think, you know, I, I've had to realize like swearing is just words. Yeah. You know, it mm-hmm. depends on how you use them mm-hmm. is that's what makes it bad. Right. You know, if I'm telling you to fuck off, <laughs> no, David, <you> know, no. <laughs> <laughs> then obviously I'm using it in a bad way. Right. But if I'm just saying, oh, fuck, right. like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a word. It's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with saying that or, oh, crap. Right. And, and I think it's what, context. It is context. And it doesn't, um, again, it's like a behavior, an outward thing. It's not like. It do, because you said the word, it doesn't make you internally a bad person. Mm-hmm. And I like I like what you're saying there. And words do have a lot of power. And I think a lot of like how the rules got started in that way for me personally, I think you know words and intentions are very powerful. And you can like you can kind of speak life and death in a way with your words. So it is good to be intentional about them. Intentional about them, but not in that in that like I want to say crazy, insane, nuts way <laughs> like of like every tiny thing is just so rigid like right there's a lot more flow yeah. available and it's a lot more about your intentions and like your lifestyle and like your repeated habits like, right 
So I might be going off there, but I love no, that stuff. I definitely agree with you. Yeah. Um, doing like actions, like actions, like swearing mm-hmm. or um, like maybe just thinking about like, oh, I want, I don't know. Um, what would be another example of like something that would be considered a sin? Yeah. Like swearing or having like bad thoughts would be swearing, bad thoughts. Um, um, even honestly, even something that wasn't godly. So like something that didn't reflect. Like watching a certain movie. Right, or, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about your intentions. Right. I don't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> it was, I was somewhere going, really good. I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> and also, it, it, oh, go ahead. I was, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the nice war. I love it. Um, it kind of goes back. Remember in the beginning, you were talking about the Lion King and how there's a strong plot line and there's you right. do good or bad. And right. Simba makes the right choice. But um, in kind of how we're talking right now, everything is very complex. And you can, you know, you can go and like say you live one day and you say five swear words and you do a lot of good and you have good intentions for most of the day and you have some bad thoughts at one point like it's all gray and if for the most part like you you just have to do your best Mm -hmm. like it's not gonna be all good or all bad like right where i i believe i have the belief that we're all trying our best with the tools we've been given at the time you know most people what we have (laughs) there's there's some people that are just walking through this life that they just they don't know what their intent are, is. Yeah. They they are purposely. I work with some people that are like this. Like mm-hmm. this is what I talk to my wife about all the time. I'm like, there are people who like don't have any goals in life. Mm-hmm. They go to work and they work all the overtime we work or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. and then they go home and they sit on the couch and watch TV, mm-hmm. and then they're assholes mm-hmm. and they don't. <laughs> they're not working on making their life better at right. all. And yeah, I hear you. And part of me, so I've I'm a, I have a challenging thought for you for that. Um, in, in one of the types of therapy I've learned called dialectical behavioral therapy, it teaches, it's from the core principle that, that I believe is like everybody actually. So for those people, maybe that actually is their best at that time. Like maybe they have such inter like everybody's fighting battles. We don't know about or see, right. They could be facing, this is how I think. So, you know, take it or leave. No, I'm, but, I'm willing to listen. But um, I think that. I'm going to pour myself more coffee. Here it comes. Can you hear it? <laughs> um, no. So say that person, you know, they're a jerk, they're an asshole, they do these bad things. They may just, maybe that's, they don't know the tools and maybe they don't know how to ask. I know at times in my life I have been acted certain ways where looking back now I'm like, oh my fucking God. Like it, if I would have just done ABC, but at the time I really didn't know how. Even simple things like talking about my feelings, like, when I was in a relationship, mm-hmm. um, w- which led to like the demise of the relationship. Like, you know, I know those things now, but at the time I didn't. So I like kind of counter that people might be trying their best and they might not have the tools. So maybe they're trying their best with what they have at this time. And like support systems are huge. I had a lot of support from my family, even though it was you know mm-hmm. strange that a lot of people don't have. So I can make the, ar- I can always make an argument for like, you know, devil's advocate for like i think you never know yeah I, I i definitely think that there's a uh, there's an unknown for most people right mm-hmm. like i obviously don't know what my coworker's life <laughs> is like outside of work um <laughs> other than what they tell me right um but there are situations like for instance my um adopted mom who mm. you know she she didn't like mm. i mean whatever she was given at that moment whenever she like was abusive or verbally yeah. abusive or physically abusive, that wasn't her best. And mm-hmm. she knew that there was something wrong with her, like, you mm-hmm. know, mentally or, mm-hmm. 
she had i'm pretty sure she has like bipolar ism and hearing your description I think and she yeah. and everybody told her you need to go get diagnosed and yeah. she refused to do it because she didn't want to be labeled with something oh. and so like refusing to do something when you mm-hmm. know that there's an issue i think is not trying your best i see your point there yeah but i definitely get what you're saying yeah no those are both that's a good illustration too it's it's hard right because i'm not i don't yeah i i can't say for someone else i can only say for right me. right but Oh, yikes that's hard <laughs> i think for like the the normal average person most people do try to do their best mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. with with most things mm-hmm. um given the tools that they've been given or right. the resources that they have mm-hmm. yeah and I, I just keep thinking like the in, like I, I geek out on this stuff so much like a psychology of it all like um even intergenerational trauma like a lot of times you know i've been angry with in my own situation like i was like how could my parents do that. Like, why didn't, why didn't my parent, you know, fight against the other parent or like, you know, change it? And I was like, you know what? I don't know what they were facing in their own mind. I don't know what their parents did to them. I don't mm-hmm. know what, you know. So, so I try to have like that element of grace, and it takes time. Like, I've, I've struggled. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, I'm what I'm trying to say is. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Do you Most think, people might be trying their best. Do you think with intergenerational trauma that you've become pretty aware of what you're doing? Um, like, like for me, mm-hmm. um, obviously there's some like onset trauma from like my parents and like yeah. the way they did things. And even like with my adopted parents and the way they did things, cause I was so young when I went into their house that yeah. like what they, like the way they did things mm-hmm. kind of, is kind of instilled in me. Yeah. So and got two sets. Right. Yeah, I got I'm so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm the biggest advocate for therapy, so all I was thinking was therapy, I, therapy, therapy. <laughs> but go um, on, go on. You know, so I've become pretty cognizant of mm-hmm. like what I should and shouldn't do. Like if I if I if I yell at my son or something, because right. I'm always seems like I'm always have, having to get after him for mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. He's like throwing his toys in the house. I'm like, stop. <laughs> and he was like, look at me and like, oh no. Aww. And I'm like I shouldn't do that because now I'm, I'm affecting him. Mm. And so I've tried. That's hard. I, I've, it, it is hard. And I've tried different ways of like, of approaching it and, um, of, of you know, handling situations mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you found yourself to be more cognizant of yeah, situations? I, I mean, obviously you don't have kids. No, so. I, do, I don't. But, but I, uh, you, have a, you have an animal, right? I do. My cat, I got pretty pissed at her the other day. <laughs> she, 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 she wakes me up at like her. 530 in the morning. Like, meow, meow. <laughs> she wants to eat and i'm like dear god I'm, I'm gonna feed you at eight come on but i you know i have to get up and feed her to make her be quiet so then i shut the door and i'm like just stay out there but i do like have i just the other day i, I was like be quiet it's <laughs> like okay like we don't need to take that approach judy but i was so frustrated but i think to to your question like you know am i cognizant of it and i'd say it's taken a long time and i feel like it's almost like a video game it's like levels like um, like 10 levels ago, <laughs> I was like way like down here in my, like, I, I, well, actually maybe a different way to describe it. Like as I go forward, so going forward, like I feel like since last year, oh dear God, I've like leveled up so hard. Like 
I'm so much more aware of all these things and how they connect and like what I'm doing and my weaknesses or shadow side or blind spots, whatever you want to call it, things Mm -hmm. I'm working on. But I know like next year I'll have even more like, and it'll play into the things I'm already learning. So, and I know that you are this way just because I know you, but you have that growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, what you talked about earlier, like the coworker thing, I think that's more of a fixed mindset. And there's a huge difference um, between that because growth mindset is like, okay, here's what I've got. How can I make it better? How can I be better? And it's like this constant like drive to be a better person or learn. Um, So that's a big difference too. Um, And I think that's kind of what I was getting at. Where like most people like that I work with are satisfied with just going to work and then going home, watching TV, eating potato chips or whatever. Right. Um, you want more. You right. want way more than like, that. I like to do a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. like to go to work. I don't like to go to work, actually. I'd, I'd rather spend mo- most of my time doing other things yeah. and not working. But yeah. I know that that's what, you know, how I live. Right. So, you know, I go to work, mm-hmm. come home, work out, mm-hmm. do the podcast, like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. You follow your dreams in other areas. Right. But yeah. I'm always trying to, like, advance that. Whereas, right. like, I see a lot of people who don't do that. Right. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. I think I think I was going a different direction earlier. That that makes sense. What I was, um, and I think, like, kind of the growth mindset versus the, it's almost like you're waking up. Like, you're like, okay, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. How do I make those connections? Like, some people never, quote, unquote, wake up. So... I notice that a lot. I do see, I think like on a whole, our society and culture like kind of is slowly starting to wake up more, especially when mm-hmm. I notice like people talking about mental health so much yeah. in the news. Like I love that. Cause I think a lot of what you're talking about is rooted in, there's a lot of anxiety in the world. There's a lot of depression. A lot of people mm-hmm. suffer from that. And a lot of times, you know, it can take on many forms where not wanting to do things, not wanting to pursue interests right. could be a form of depression. Like, yeah. um, but you could not know that you could just right. and you, being grouchy and irritable that is also like another sign of depression so i think people you know you talk about uh going after things versus not it's very it takes being comfortable with being uncomfortable absolutely to go after things and you seem like a person who's like you go out of your comfort zone you're like let me I, at it let me I do try. it <laughs> yes. and that's something you really value and I think in order to be a better person in all aspects, you have to go out of your comfort zone. Preach, and preach, No matter preach. what it is, whether it's, you know, working out or talking to people, right. doing a podcast, um, you know. Check that box. <laughs> like, like, I remember when I first started this podcast, I was mm-hmm. so nervous. Like, I'm like, yeah. I don't know how to talk to people. Yeah. I, I still, Look at you. I'm Look still at you. practicing. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing great. But, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where you got to go out of your comfort zone to get better. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to do that with anything. Like, yeah. like you, like you went to college, mm-hmm. you know, after you Scary were homeschooled. <laughs> I mean, you, you admitted to not being able to um, do math that, that well. I just thought of that when I was like, <laughs> that math class, Ooh, many, many of them. <laughs> That's stepping out of your comfort zone yes. to be better. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but you know, there's a good amount of people out there that are scared to do that. I agree with you. And I think, um, yeah, it's, and And, I'd I'd say like to your earlier question, that blocks mm self-awareness, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd say that those kind of work together. Yeah. You get comfortable with being comfortable and you don't really think about all the other aspects. Don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. (laughs) We're fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. Don't look outside. (laughs) (laughs) So let's kind of go back. Um, I had mentioned how I struggled with coming, like, 
going into the world after mm-hmm. leaving the whole yeah. Christian realm um, <laughs> and trying to figure life out. What was that like for you? Oh boy. <laughs> that was so fun. Um, no, they, so it, it was kind of transitions. Like, um, like, so when I was 15, we left the very, very, very just an extreme like uh, Baptist church. So I felt a level of freedom and a level of oppression lift and I was able to like explore more of myself. So then from 15 to 18, I went to a Baptist school, uh, graduated valedictorian, hey, out of, <laughs> out of 15 people. <laughs> so about that part. I usually don't mention that part. <laughs> Why'd you um, mention it? Got it, got to be real. Um, <laughs> but, and then, uh, so the next transition was I graduated and I started going to Lance Community College. Go stars. Uh, where I work now, plug. It's awesome. Love it. Um, but the, that transition, like, so each transition, uh, like when I went from high school into college, like there was a lot of pressure from my church family and, and that community and that group I really belonged to and really loved. Like they were like family. Um, I kind of went through this process where it was like two choices, like go to Bible college and get a husband and get married, be a mother and have kids or go into this wild unknown world of like the community college, which was terrifying to me, but I didn't want to just, I felt like if I went to Bible college, my life would be over in a way because like I knew what was expected of me and I knew it would cap my potential. What is your ideas of a, a Bible college? Yeah, yeah, good, good call. I have a, <gasps> a lot of opinions about this. <laughs> I'm cackling over here. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, so Bible college to me, what that looked like was there were like two or three options that were fit into the conservative mold that was acceptable for me to go to. So there's like Pensacola, Christian college, I believe in Florida, but that was a little bit too, um, worldly. <laughs> and then there was, I think Midwest Baptist college They were Notice they're all like Baptist colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there were some like that. So what that looked like was you go and you learn more about the Bible. I already knew way too much about the Bible. <laughs> and, um, then you, I don't even know what you'd get a degree in Bible. <laughs> and then they would joke and say, you go and get your Mrs. Degree, MRS. <laughs> and I would just hate that. I would be like, yep, that's what I work for in my life to be married and a mom. Like, no, no, nothing against that. It's beautiful. But well, that was not. I think goal. the idea for women to go to Bible college is um, a woman goes to Bible college, finds a man, yeah. and gets married and settles down. End of life. End Game of life. over. It's over. That's it. <laughs> it's a wrap. That's how I felt. <laughs> Because I saw my mom go through that, right? Did like, she go to Bible college? She didn't. She actually went to, she was a uh, cosmetologist. And then she, like, in her life, ended up meeting my dad, you know, becoming more and more Christian, kind of, like, getting into that whole way of living. But all that to say, oh, where was I going with that? Did she go to college? She didn't go to Bible college, but she lived that Bible college life where mm. she had, like, seven kids and was home and raised the kids and I didn't want that for me it just didn't right. seem appealing and it seemed like trapped right a lot of trapped vibes there. <laughs> <laughs> escape get out <laughs> the door slamming <laughs> so yeah I think that was kind of my goal with going the other way to community college was it was scary and I didn't know what it held for me but I won a scholarship um and I decided to go and I my mom helped me sign up for FAFSA, actually, so I got mm. the financial aid, which, like, I didn't know about, so thank God she helped me do that. Um, and, you know, I started that journey. And then, <laughs> and then, dun-dun-dun, <laughs> I uh, 
my whole life, I was like, I'm not going to get married. You know, like I saw my parents go through this marriage and it really like, I don't want that. And I'm scared of that. And then what did I do? <laughs> you can guess. I got married. Like, so I started going to school and, you know, it was like my first year and I was doing, I started with child development. Then I went to photography and then at a random like Trinity church bonfire, I met, I met someone and he was way older than me. I think eight years older than me. Um, and I was very enamored with like how charismatic he was, how he knew he had like the sense that he knew how to do things, which given my childhood, like the men always knew how to do things. Like you followed the man, like all that. Um, I was a very dependent, I thought I was independent and I was when I was single. And then when I got into that pattern of a relationship, I went right into that dependent mm-hmm. way of being, which I hated about myself. Yeah. I didn't know how not to. So we ended up like, I, and in that like dependent way of being, I didn't know how to say what I felt. Like he could say something and I would disagree with it, but I did not know how to voice that. Cause I was a scared to rock the boat because in my life in the past, if you rock the boat, you got thrown out of the boat or right. spanked or like you, you just <laughs> couldn't question anything. So I was so scared to question. Um, and that just carried right into that relationship. And I honestly, like looking back, I didn't even really want to, I mean, I knew that like marriage was the next step, but like, and the true gut, the true gut feeling I had was I didn't want to, but I didn't know what else to do. Mm. So, <laughs> so which, you just did yeah, it. <laughs> right. Which, uh, yeah, but it's been a journey and I've learned a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? No. I mean, yeah. Well, you may regret it, but (laughs) the thing is, is like for me, I don't know. I don't ever regret any any Mm -hmm. decision I made, even if it was like a wrong decision. I feel that. Yeah. Um, I feel that everything, everything has helped me learn Mm -hmm. and be a better person. Yeah. And obviously, you learn from that that relationship, right? You learned what you don't want. (laughs) (laughs) Have you gotten married since? Nope. See, you learned. That's actually one thing I respected a lot about you um, is you were on here, I think it was last spring or early Mm -hmm. summer, right? Mm -hmm. And you were in a relationship Mm -hmm. and then um, it didn't record. (laughs) (laughs) And so I invited you back and then you were like, no, I I need to, the relationship ended and I believe you ended it and you're like, I need to self-heal and... Yes. Then I was like, okay, yeah. And I checked up on you a couple times yeah. just to make sure you're you're good, <laughs> which I appreciated so much. <laughs> and then, um, then you're like, hey, I think I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And it was like months later, yeah. And I think that's something a lot of people don't do. Mm. Uh, that's something that a lot of people don't realize that they need to do. They just yeah. kind of look for the next best relationship mm-hmm. and they yeah. kind of rebound. Yeah. But that's one thing I like. I respected Thank about you. about you. Yeah. Like, I I can't. I can't do this, even though we didn't need to, need to talk about right, it. Like, right. But you were in a, you were in the space. Place. Yeah, I was in yeah. A, the space I was in, and yeah, that relationship. I was we were together for four years, and it was I thought it was the most healthy relationship I'd been in because obviously, well, I got divorced from my marriage, <laughs> <laughs> and and that was like a big learning experience, and you know it took a lot of courage for me to do that, and then I spent some time traveling internationally really getting to know myself and then you know I got in this next relationship and there were red flags like right away that I saw but I didn't want to see and it kind of they were in areas that were really hard for me to confront so I didn't confront them it was like too scary for me so you know four years in I start I was actually doing this therapy um, called some it was brain spotting it's a somatic type of therapy that helps you release trauma from your body so Mm. trauma is like if you've been through a stressful event, anything from your parent yelling at you to a car accident to like 
you know, extreme things to smaller things. Um, I had, I think every, everyone has trauma in their body. Um, some have, you know, different experiences with trauma. And trauma, actually, you have a traumatic event, but then the trauma is how you react later when, when something, you know, reminds you or occurs. So right. within the relationship, you know, there were a lot of unhealthy elements. You know, there, you know every relationship, it's a mix. Like, there were beautiful moments, and, um, you know, I treasure those, but then there were times where I was like, whoa. Like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Like, why am I putting up with this? Um, so where I was going with that was I was stuck in a trauma response. And my trauma response looked like a shutdown. And I couldn't say what I really felt. And it was too scary. So I was doing therapy, like, the last six months of that relationship. And it really started, like, releasing that trauma helped me get a clear mental view of what was really going on in my life that I... It was kind of like, I say, blinders popped off. And I was like, hmm. whoa, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't like the type of relationship I want to have. And this was brain spotting, you said? Yes. How, what does that consist of? What is brain spotting? Let me tell you about it. <laughs> so I love brain spotting so much. Um, I actually, I'm getting certified in it. I just did two oh. trainings, little plug. Um, <laughs> come see me. Um, but the, so brain spotting, they've learned that where, and I'll just say it in like a non-sciencey way. Where you look affects how you feel. So, like, if your eye movement were to go, like, up there in that corner, you would be accessing a certain part of your brain. So, like, wherever you look, accesses a different part of your brain. So, what you do, the, the, the root of somatic therapy, and brain spotting is a somatic therapy, as opposed to psychotherapy, which is talk therapy, mm. which works on your mind, which is good, but it, mm -hmm. if you're dealing with deeper trauma you haven't resolved, the mind therapy isn't going to be able to like work through um those deeper traumas so so brain spotting what you do is you feel so say something would happen and you have a reaction so what's something that might upset you <laughs> sorry i put you on the spot there um, well i can speak from my experience so, okay. <laughs> so, so you're like uh wasn't ready for that um so like say say you know i would be if someone yelled at me um i would just shut down and in my body my body would go numb and i'm not aware of this at the time because this is just how i've always been so like my body goes numb my mind is like what do i do with my hands like where do i look with my eyes like i don't comprehend anything that the yelling person is saying to me i just have this feeling of like disassociation of like i need to say the right thing so they stop yelling at me i need to make this end and like it's a very strange feeling like and I didn't even recognize that I was feeling that way until in therapy when like I would talked about it and I was like oh I guess I'm not really even like in my body hmm. when that's happening like my awareness isn't I'm just like you know floating so so what happens is in brain spotting you think about what upsets you you feel that body feeling so for me it was like that feeling of numbness I felt a tingle in my feet in my legs so what what the, that feeling is that is your trapped energy response, your trapped trauma response in your body. And so when you look at a point, the, the therapist helps you find the point, it's really easy, and you look at that and you allow yourself to feel that deeper body sensation. And what's happening, when you had the traumatic event happen to you in the past, your body and stress system was never able to complete the process and let that energy release from you. So the trauma energy and it manifests in, you know, there's four main trauma responses. Fight, flight, fright, or sorry. <laughs> there's fight, flight, um, flee. What? I can't remember that. And fawn. Freeze. Freeze. That's what it is. Um, 
So I was kind of having a freeze and uh, like a flight. I would like flight out of my mind and I would just freeze like, ah. Um, so all that to say the brain spotting, when you look at the spot, you feel the feelings, sensations in your body and it allows them to release. So like I would look at the spot, I'd feel, I remember the argument, I would feel how I felt and like looking at the spot, it actually allows that energy to travel up through your brainstem into your hippocampus where it gets like put essentially it gets filed into the correct place so you're when a trauma happens due in the beginning you literally cannot comprehend everything that's happening at once you can only take like a small slice of the pie and process that so all of that all the rest of that is unprocessed trauma energy float around your body so when you do the brain mm-hmm. spotting it allows that to release i mean you'll even shake i sob it's not pretty i like <laughs> i like stop my feet i like sometimes scream at a pillow like swing my arms around the whole goal is to release that energy. And like animals, they shake after something traumatic happens. It's essentially allowing you to have that like almost shake response to let go of that. Wow. So there you have it. There's brain spotting. <laughs> is there other ways of um, releasing that? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like one thing I do um, or I have done, and I haven't done it in a, a long time because I'm in a different place mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally and everything. But yeah. Um, like when I first started working out, mm-hmm. I would think about all the things that I had gone through mm-hmm. in the past, uh, like with my mom, my adopted mom yeah. and stuff. And I would get angry like mm-hmm. while working out and I would just take it out on yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. And then I'd feel great afterwards. That's that's, that's therapeutic. Um, and I would just say, is like, it the same kind yeah, of concept? It is. It is. And I would say what, when you do the work with brain spotting or somatic therapy, the key is feeling the sensation in your body. And then naming it. And it sounds like you did. You felt anger in your body. You're yeah. like, this is anger. Yeah. And then you ran out that, you know, lifted, whatever, got the anger out. So you'll notice it'll it'll change. So for me, when I do brain spotting, it starts out as like that numbness. And then it turns into like a sensation in my shoulder and then a lump in my throat. And like it travels through your body. And um, sometimes you don't even have to name it. You just have to the key to healing it is being aware of that sensation in your body. Right. So if you can focus on that while you're working out, I would bet that would be like insanely powerful. It sounds like what you do is pretty therapeutic too. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I haven't done that in a long time. It's weird because I used to have to do it all the time. Like think like, wow. Yeah. I used to like, I mean, I I think there was just a bunch of things I had to like work through big time. Yeah. And, um, by doing that, I did it for a while. Um, and I, I, believe it helped and then now yeah. like i i can work out and not really think like right. if i think about that i'm just like oh, was... it sounds like you let it pass through yeah you, you release the energy yeah. but like before before i started working out um i had all this like angst and anger yeah. and like all this stuff built up in me mm-hmm. i didn't know how to like i didn't know how to handle it it's and, like a boiling teapot yeah and it's just ready to explode <laughs> at any point in time yeah and uh and it did a few times yeah. you know um, so I had to learn how to manage it and yeah. that was one way I was able to do it, That's but I, beautiful. I don't know if it's the same concept or not. I think so. it is. It, it is. And somatic therapy is all about pairing your brain and your body together. Mm. So that's what you were doing. If you're like, especially correlating body movements with uh, like the emotion and the sensation, because right. behind every emotion, there is a body sensation. So say like, you're like, Oh my God, I'm worried. If you stop for a second and be like, okay, what do I feel in my body right now? Then you like feel you'll feel like oh there's a knot in my stomach, mm-hmm. and what's happening is when you feel a knot in your stomach, it travels up and says hey we're worried. 
So all you have to do is like reach for that deeper sensation. It's it works. It's really interesting. Yeah, like if you get nervous, you yeah. get that like gut feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And and if you actually, you know, the more work you do on it, something I love is I love little brain tricks. And one of them is when you get that nervous feeling, when you when you when it, you know you have the feeling, and all usually you just are like, oh man, I feel scared or nervous. Like on the way here, I was nervous. I was like, <laughs> oh man, I love the podcast, but like I had a feeling of ner- nervousness in my body. So I actually did. <laughs> This is just me being very transparent, but in my car, I like yelled. I'm like, <laughs> and like let that energy out. And I like did some shaking. And I like to do tapping, um, which is another way to do somatic. It's amazing. Um, more on that later. But um, I'm not sure how much time we have. I've been talking as for much a while. as you want. Oh, it could take forever. We're an hour and six minutes in. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but the so. On the way here, the key to that, one of the little brain tricks is when you feel worried or nervous, you feel that sensation in your body, and then you tell yourself, actually, I'm excited. And you, like, change the word that's associated to it. And as soon as you change the word and the belief, like, in your brain, like, you know, lean into that feeling, your brain fires different chemicals. So when you're, like, nervous, you're like, I'm nervous. Your brain fires, like, cortisol, which is a stress hormone, which, like, you know tightens up your blood vessels so you you have to lo- anyway you you can't think as well it pushes um blood to like your your i'm so excited i'm having trouble talking <laughs> but the key to this concept is if you change it and say actually you know what i'm excited and you like adopt a stronger body stance you can do these little tricks and it makes your brain fire a different chemical like oxytocin or mm-hmm. dopamine or serotonin or something and gives you like a better feeling about it so there's all sorts of tricks that i love it's kind of funny because I do that, like not even knowing ah. what it is. Like I'll, I'll same thing. I get mm-hmm. nervous before every podcast yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't so nervous today because I, I know I'm you. Super cool. You are cool. And you're easygoing, <laughs> and I was like busy doing stuff, yeah, so I didn't really have time to get nervous. Mm-hmm. But I get, I get nervous before podcasts, and I get like that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And one thing I do to kind of relieve that is I'll just do like a bunch of push-ups real quick. Heck yeah! And then, and then it makes me excited. I, I feel great. That's I'm like. Amazing. I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. That's like me screaming in my car. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're like, find a way to release that pent-up energy yeah. or reframe it. And yeah. that's so powerful. Yeah. That's really powerful. I don't know why I do it. You're very smart. I, I, <laughs> I just do it, and it helps. I just realize it helps. Yeah. So. And a lot of times when you have an instinct to do something, like like before I – um, so I'm doing a radio show for LCC I told you about earlier. That's very exciting. Plug. Ooh, hey, listen to my show <laughs> Saturdays and Sundays. WNZ. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, so like the first time I was about to record for my, it was my second recording and I was feeling nervous and it felt very weird. Like old Juji, and when I say old Juji, I mean like less evolved maybe a couple years ago who I was. I probably wouldn't have done this, but now I know like I need to do what I need to do for me. Even if I look weird or silly, like, (laughs) I don't care. I got to do what's best for me. Right. So I was like, actually, guys, before we start, we were like about, I was about to hit record. And I was like, you know what? I'm feeling a little nervous. I'm just going to stand up and shake this out. So I literally, I was like, you want to join? And the other girl was like, yeah, I'm a little nervous too. So we stood up and I just like shook my body, you know, and she shook her body too. And like, it helped. Yeah. And we sat down and I was like, it's a very little thing that I, you know, just referenced, but when you listen to your body it's so helpful like you like mm-hmm. just popping out some push-ups like yeah. you find what works best for you and yeah. it's it's incredible yeah i think it's important go to David. find <laughs> <Go David>. <laughs> <laughs> i think it's important to find tools that uh help you yeah. you know whether you do brain spotting yeah. or um you you you've just got to find a way to like get get rid of the extra energy the yeah. angst whatever it is i mean mm-hmm. whatever works yeah. try it do it 
journaling, journaling. singing, yeah. you know, karate. <laughs> and then like doing something that's embarrassing. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my life, my life. <laughs> You're referencing like, my entire Like life. yelling in your car. <laughs> Other people might see you. Yelling. I passed somebody and had that thought. I was like, ah, <laughs> wave. No, then like going on a podcast after uh-huh. that is nothing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really, I really try to get over what people think of me because it's a moment in time. And really, I think we're all very obsessed with worrying about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that person who saw me it was probably like, huh, she, look, <laughs> she looks weird. And that was probably all it was. And me later, I'll be like, Oh, they saw me. They thought I was so weird. They probably thought about me all day. They didn't think about me all day. They just saw me in that moment. Like, huh? They might not have even noticed. That, that reminds me mm-hmm. of um, uh, the other day. It was actually like a week what or two. What did you do? That's embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. Can't, can't wait. It was so embarrassing. Spill the beans. So <laughs> I was taking something out to the trash, and uh, <laughs> I was singing um, Tina Turner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is already a great story. What's love got, got to do? Got to do. <laughs> And uh, I was doing that at that octave. I was like, what's love got to do? And I was walking out my back door and my neighbor was outside with her dog. And she just looks at me and starts laughing. <laughs> and I'm just like, hey, how's it going? And then you continue, got to do, got to do. You know, you know, that's kind of, this is hilarious. I can relate to that. Actually, I think when you are just so spontaneously open in yourself and joyful, like, when she saw you do that i'm guessing like it inspired her like to like just be like oh you know what other people are normal too like because i mean we probably all do like that in our kitchen yeah like, absolutely you know doing our dishes or whatever but we go outside and we're like oh there's people we gotta, like, <laughs> look normal um but but um god i was gonna say something i completely forgot you're saying how it, it could have inspired her to, yeah. to be normal yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and i would i would counter that you know being weird is being normal um, I was doing, oh, I remember what I was going to say. I, uh, I like to go on walks. Like I was talking about trees. I love trees. Um, actually trees, when you are close to them or near them or touching them, they release like a good happy chemical. I think, think it's oxytocin, but it makes you feel better. So yesterday. I should get I, a tree in here. <laughs> you should just hug it all the time. <laughs> um, I, I do this thing where like, I like to hug trees and people like, like I'm so terrified. Like You're so I'm a tree walking, hugger. I am. And what does that even mean? Um, so I was walking on the river trail by my house in Rio Town, and I saw this beautiful tree. And I was like, I was having all sorts of feelings. And I was like, you know what? I bet if I hug the tree, it'd make me feel better. So I went over and I'm like nobody's looking, nobody's there. So I just <laughs> I hug the tree and I just stay there and like really it helped me feel settled, grounded, like connect with nature. Like I felt better within like two minutes. And then I like peel myself off the tree and like look around. <laughs> no one saw me. So then on the way back, I did it again. And usually like when I'm doing something that could be very embarrassing, I'm like so worried, like, okay, I need to listen. If someone like walks up, <laughs> my mind goes like, what would I do? Would I stop? Would I like keep going? Like my, I go through all these scenarios. Explain what you're doing. Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> oxytocin. No. And, uh, but I just kind of had peace with like, you know what? If somebody sees me, I'm just going to like close my eyes or not look at them or something. <laughs> like it would be so uncomfortable, but I'm, and it's weird what I'm doing. Somebody will probably think that, but it's what works for me. Mm-hmm. And even though that's like almost unbearably embarrassing, like if somebody were to walk by, I know that I just need to do what's right for me. And they're going to think maybe they'll be like, oh my God, guess what? I saw a girl hug at her tree today. Like that's right. going to be it. And right. it'll probably be funny. Like, <laughs> you're welcome. But it's not as scary as we think it is. Yeah, I think a lot of times people are embarrassed to be like the center of like of something embarrassing. Right. Like, I mean, I'm that way. I don't like to be the center of attention, you know, generally. I love it. Except yeah. 
um, but you know th- that's it's it's you, a scary place to be though it's a scary place to be but like you like you said it's just a very small part of somebody's day mm-hmm. and it might make them smile might make their day you probably start laughing like <laughs> me walking out of the house singing that probably made my neighbor's day like really it was embarrassing did. for me because i'm not a good singer um, <laughs> but she's probably i i thought after i did that i'm like she's probably gonna go listen to that song you, oh my god i think you're right i'm gonna listen to it on the way home but you know it, it brings joy and i really i think you have a very good point there like she probably thought about it she probably smiled and even if it she didn't like overtly think about it like it impacted her mm-hmm. and i think that's really important when we are our true selves and i think that's like what my whole life journey is about like who am i really and can i be unafraid to be myself in public like in one thing I noticed I do like in my growth journey is like I have a, I've had in the past a huge problem with people pleasing. Like I referenced in my marriage when I couldn't like mm-hmm. say when I disagreed and in my previous yeah. relationship I had, you know, the same problems. And so now I'm like, okay, this problem has got to end. <laughs> so, so now I'm out there hugging trees, not care what people think of me, <laughs> but I, I'm practicing doing little things like what is my truth and how can I own that? Because right. I used to like, I used to like, uh, cater what I said based on how I knew the person would respond. So mm-hmm. I feel, you know, comfortable with you. So I felt like I could be more myself with you where other people, I would be like, right. Oh, I don't know what they think of me. So I'm going to really limit myself. Well, like, we're two weird people. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's weird. We just hide it. You know? <laughs> um, so I think that is like when you're truly yourself, like singing Tina Turner, carrying the trash out, like yeah. it really opens up this little, <clears throat> portal of acceptance and love and like a, just a higher vibe if you will like it just feels good and even if it feels really uncomfortable like it's impacting somebody in a good honest way yeah I, I like that it's authentic and i think it's important to do mm-hmm. to to just be your yourself yeah. i mean because that's it's one hard. thing it's that's hard. one thing like with social media mm-hmm. it's people try paint especially like with instagram mm-hmm. uh people try and tiktok mm-hmm. uh, i love tiktok I'm but <laughs> but it's so easy to be like this is my life you know yeah. like this is the narrative i live yeah. and then other people are like oh, i want that right whereas they don't see like wh- how somebody really is you know yeah. and i think it's important to do like things yeah. like that walking out of the house singing because yes. they're like oh that's a normal person yes. <laughs> and i like actually you're saying that I have a TikTok and I I get very addicted to just scrolling. It's not good, but <laughs> but uh, I think, so I think most people could agree. Um, so I've done a lot. Like in in my like, I'm usually people perceive me as a very happy person, a very outgoing person, bubbly, and I am those things. But I also can be you know depressed. Mm-hmm. I can, I have mad anxiety. Well, that's you probably know? your coping mechanism, right? Big time. Like, I mean, you act like everything's fine, but it's really not. Just under the surface, I'm exploding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that that actually is a trauma response. That's called the fawn trauma trauma response. response. Um, And that's like, it's kind of a codependent thing. It's kind of people-pleasing. You know, it's a lack of boundaries. And that's just me personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And it falls into that. Like, if I make other people happy, they'll like me, they'll like me around me, it's safe. It'll be safe. So I'm trying to make a safe environment. But all that to say... You mentioned like on social media, people see the finished product, right? They see you uh, receiving that award. They see you right. doing this thing, going on vacation. They see the highlights. So mm-hmm. what I like to do sometimes is post the lowlights. So I post things like, like since my breakup, I've been on this insane, amazing, hard healing journey. Like you said, I, I took, I've been taking a lot of time away from people, from mm-hmm. things, from to try to reset my nervous system and 
work through my traumas and really be the best person I can be. And figure out um, who you are. Yeah, who am I? Who am I truly authentically? Like, what's my soul's purpose? Mm-hmm. And how can I align my personality with that to serve me best in my life? So, so something I did was at home, like, I was just going around, and this is a normal day for me. Um, and on the healing journey, this, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm just going to say it. Like, I was just <laughs> crying. Like, I was having feelings, and I was, like, you know, kind of dancing around, shaking, releasing that that energy and I was just sobbing and I was like I just need like to feel hugged and secure right now so I went and got a pillow and a bathrobe tie and like put the pillow on and like wrapped the bathrobe tie around and like tied it to me so like there was a pillow that I could just like hug when I wanted to while I was walking (laughs) around the house and like working on the computer and it literally just made me feel so much better and I was thought to myself like people see me as like the happy person you know outgoing doing funny things they don't see me sitting here crying with a pillow like tied to me to make me feel better and i want people to know this is normal like to feel this way and feel down it's normal so i posted like a little tutorial (laughs) myself doing that on tiktok and it's just the whole principle is just be authentic you know we all try to hide our humanity from each other Mm -hmm. i notice when i show someone my humanity it makes it you know they they feel then like they can show theirs right and it's like i'm a little anxious about this i'm a little nervous and then you can talk about it and then reframe it. Or they're like, me too. And it's just, it's really a beautiful spot to be in. It's not easy, though. No, it's not. It's vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know about Brene Brown? I don't know. <gasps> Sorry, very excited here. Um, but, yes, just Google Brene Brown. Because she does work around vulnerability and shame and oh, stuff. Okay. And a lot of research. So. Oh, okay. I'm getting nervous about the time, though. How are we here? Uh, <laughs> we're an hour and 20 minutes in. Okay. Um, well, let's kind of finish up your story a little bit. Okay. Um, where are you now? Obviously, yeah. you, you are not involved in a cult anymore. <laughs> um, or am I? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you've obviously, you're a lot, um, you're in a better place mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And um, you're not, I guess, uh, you're not stuck, stuck, yeah. stuck in like this very narrow mind mm-hmm. minded yeah um environment yeah so what does it look like what does that look like <laughs> i it looks like a lot of crying no <laughs> <laughs> obviously you've had to discover who you are as a person and yes. it's been a, a pretty long road yeah um but you've you've overcome a lot of that yeah i would say yes and um it's made you a stronger person mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. how did you do that uh obviously okay. therapy yeah therapy go everyone go to therapy i'm serious <laughs> um but somatic therapy because that's really i mean anyway i was gonna say the best one but you know <laughs> but moving forward so how i got through it all honestly um coping a lot of coping mechanisms and journaling i journaled a lot growing up actually before i came here i just glanced at a few of my old journals from like when i was 12 and 15 and like you know kind of saw that girl for a second because she had a lot to say um and it it was cool to see that before coming here because like how i kind of wanted to like remember a little bit but i've kept journals i've learned how to like i've really just found ways to be honest with myself and journaling was the only place i could truly be real with myself where i wasn't scared of what other people would think of what i would say so i was able to journal i went to therapy I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I did a lot of embarrassing things, like trying to be brave. I've I've been vulnerable, like, and what that looks like is 
trying to speak to how I really feel and do things that scare me, like speak up or say, you know, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting on, I did the Lansing Storytellers, uh, the Lansing State Journey Storytellers, which is similar to like the moth stories. And that was really scary for me. And I tried to quit like four times, but, <laughs> but like doing that, like really empowered me. So telling my story. So I guess the key is like learning who I am, learning my story, telling my story, and then kind of building out the rest of my story. Like, what do I want to do? And I want to, I don't want to say them all right here, but I'm just working. I always have something I'm working mm-hmm. towards, you know, a better version of myself, a yep. goal, like, I think that's really important because yeah. uh, a lot of people who've gone some of, through some of the things that like you've gone through or have I gone I've mm-hmm. gone through they a lot of times have victims mentality and then they live in the past yeah. and they can't they can't get through it yeah. and so it hinders their future goals yeah. they it you know really yeah. stunts their growth That's true and and I've been that person too you know like I went through a stage where I was like it, it never like fully stopped me but like I think in the relationships I was in I had a victim mindset for for some of it you know like because everything is gray so there were parts where I being like not being able to take ownership of myself and my own actions and kind of being like oh well they're doing this Mm -hmm. so when I stepped back and took ownership of myself and accountability for myself that's when the game changed I was like okay if I'm doing this behavior I can change this behavior and there's a lot of hope in that you know it's like it sucks sometimes to admit that you're not perfect but nobody's perfect yeah and then you can change it yeah so that there's a lot of hope in that for me. That's awesome. I, I think it's beautiful that you have goals and that you're constantly killing it. Um, <laughs> every time I talk to you, you're like, I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm like, that's sweet. That's awesome. I'm happy that yeah. you're able to to overcome everything that you've gone through mm. and to create a, a better life for yourself. And it's like we talked about earlier, It's it's important to constantly try to better yourself yeah. whether it's physical or educational yeah. mentally everything mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. better to just be a better you yeah and uh you're definitely doing that oh david thank <laughs> you i just thank you so much for having me on this podcast the fact that you do this inspires the hell out of me like awesome i i see you like you interviewed the mayor you interviewed yeah. like these that one didn't record either <laughs> just so you know because oh, no. i interviewed him i think right before you and I had three episodes that didn't record. Oh, shoot. I was so mad. Oh, I have to call <laughs> but, him back. But all that to say, like, you are making waves. Like, you're doing right. good. I see you as well doing good. And, you know, you've got an incredible story. And I've listened to it, you know, on your podcast. And I was just struck by the growth mindset that you have. And I see I see that in you, too, and how you you don't let anything stop you. You keep right. going. You set goals. And you are like, I'm, I'm going to be the best person I can be. <laughs> it's, it, it shows. And it's inspiring. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on your inspiring podcast. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Thanks for doing this. You should come back. Oh, I will. I would love to. (laughs) We'll see uh, what some of your future goals are. Yes. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.